in this situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Lee. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with Travis Bob Pro the castration of the major league baseball managers we know it ask me about my winner what's going on everybody another edition of the past ball show i'm going to introduce uh, an exciting new segment to the show probably within about 20 minutes can't wait to unravel that uh, we're also going to talk about the situation when it comes to professional sports as we deal with an unprecedented age where players are getting sick You have championships that could possibly be compromised. And how do they hold up over the longest period of time? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to start out by the Madden documentary, which obviously debuted on Christmas. And I know there was a lot of other people out there that were just as excited to watch the legendary John Madden. And if you look at a life where you could say, hey, I could pick three things and be great at all three over the course of 85 years, um, you, know, you got to look back and realize that John Madden was pretty blessed. The reason I like watching sports documentaries is because I, I like to revel in what I already know. And I also like to learn a couple things here and there that perhaps I didn't know. You know, John Madden from his life as a coach of the Oakland Raiders, the fact that he retired at age 42, which is the year that I am right now, how old I am, and still had a long, long career as a sports broadcaster, of course, as a a television analyst for NFL games for many years for all four of the major networks. And then he puts together this video game, this real NFL football video game that is going to last a lot longer than most of us. And one thing that I kind of saw in it, and I and listen, I think I get a little sentimental sometimes when I watch documentaries, especially people as they're getting up there in age. And I'm wondering whether this was the final appearance that we're going to see from John Madden, whether this was the curtain call, perhaps, when you think of a legendary figure, a pro football Hall of Famer, one of the greatest broadcasters in the history of professional sports, let alone just football. John didn't look so healthy. Um, Obviously, you know he's getting up there in age, but since he retired as a sports broadcaster, he hasn't made too many public appearances since 2009. And I don't want to make this like it's a, a sad thing, but perhaps there are some underlining things going on with the, the life of John Madden. You know, he's 85 years old right now. Like I said, this just coming out of nowhere saying, hey, there's going to be a John Madden documentary going to play on Christmas from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Eastern. I, I, I love it. Most sports fans will love it, particularly fans of pro football love it. But I wonder, is this the last public appearance you're going to see from John Madden? A guy who, like I said, had a, as great of a career as you could have as a 30 to 40 year old NFL head coach. And to have the wherewithal and just to know that he was done coaching, you know, before the end of the 1970s at the age of 42, 
transitioning not so smoothly. As you find out there in the documentary, this isn't something that he necessarily wanted to do. He didn't want to be a broadcaster. He didn't want to be a pro football analyst. But as time goes by, he realizes that this is something that he could do pretty well. And he does it. He does it great. He becomes an absolute legend when it comes to being a pro football analyst. There really hasn't been anybody that has done it like him. There's a couple that are close. There's a couple that are good. You you look back and you listen to some uh, play-by-play analysts as they are in a game today. And you think of the likes of Tony Romo and Troy Aikman. And you know, I, I look back at the days of Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford and Dan Deerdorf and, uh, of course, Al Michaels. And you think of so many that were the greatest at doing it. But you, know, you look at the likes of John Madden and you realize there's somebody that's kind of on a level of his own. And you think of pro football as the games are being called. And you tend to even shy away from giving the credit to Monday Night Football. Even though Monday Night Football saved, I think, the NFL at the time. If it wasn't for the prominence of Monday Night Football in the late 60s and the 70s, pro football may not become what it is. But in the generations after that, it was all about Pat Summerall and John Madden. So one of the things that I found fascinating is the fact that John Madden didn't necessarily want to be a pro football announcer. And he ended up kind of being talked into it. He did his his, his test run with Bob Costas. And you know, Bob Costas at the time was uh, was a kid. He was a, he was a very very young man. And if you think of just the impact that this man had on the sport and uh, listen, I can't go back and 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 think of anybody that's more synonymous with pro football talk and listening to a game than Pat Summerall and John Madden. And, you know, you just wonder, you know, Pat Summerall is no no longer with us. You wonder if we're getting towards the last, I don't know, the final trimester or the last lap or the final two minutes, to use a football reference, of John Madden. Great football coach, Hall of Famer, great pro football analyst, Probably the uh, sets the standard for the way it should be done. And then finally, created a video game that is going to be around not only a lot longer than he is. You know, it's going to outlive him. It's also going to probably outlive me. Number two. You know, one of the things that I enjoy about Christmas, in addition to, you know, spending my moments, paying my respects to Billy Martin. But, you know, number one celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ and his birthday. But, you know, as I go into the basic things, I think of how synonymous the National Basketball Association has become with Christmas. And I'm a little turned off this year by nothing any of the players did, by nothing anything that's going on in the league. But the fact that the coronavirus is really playing a major role in professional sports at this moment. You watch as it's impacting football, and you've heard me on this program talk about how games are decided by lesser and inferior talent, where you think of the best players that are on a given team, and they're just not available to play. Wins and losses in a National Football League. 
you're watching perhaps determine who gets in the playoffs. And as the playoffs come in the National Football League, we're thinking about how great a team could be normally, but we're switching that up to say, hey, how healthy is a given team? What teams are the most impacted by the coronavirus at this moment? Because those are the teams, and they could be the best teams in a sport, but those are the ones that are going to be at an extreme disadvantage as the playoffs get started. So that was kind of my reason, kind of backing off the NBA on Christmas Day, five games. Listen, it's great for the NBA. And like I said, it's similarly to the way New Year's Day and the outdoor NHL game, which you know is at risk this year, because just about every team in the National Hockey League has an outbreak of the coronavirus within its own club. And I don't know how it's impacting hockey a little bit more. Perhaps it's the international player that comes over from the you know the country. It's not a guarantee to be staying in the United States the entire year. The fact that there's seven teams in the NHL that come from Canada. I don't know. Is there a reason that the NHL is having a bigger problem dealing with the coronavirus than other sports? But back to as it applies to the NBA, you're watching playoff spots at some point are going to be determined by which teams are the healthiest, not just from injuries. Obviously, the the terrible injury to Paul George, which is certainly going to impact the Los Angeles Clippers. But what teams are dealing with the virus at the moment? You know, when there's an outbreak of a given team, let's say at the beginning of the playoffs, Let's say, you know, knock on wood and hope it's not, but let's say it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's say it's the Phoenix Suns. Let's say it's the uh, Golden State Warriors. Let's say it's any team that has busted his ass and had a great season and all of a sudden it goes away because they can't have their best players play at the time where it's the most important. And I think about that because, you know, you wonder, and you start talking about the legitimacy of championships. You can't take away anything from anybody that wins. You can't. You know, back in the early 1940s, 41, I'm sorry, 42, 43, 44, 45, the war years, while the majority of Major League Baseball players were out defending their country in World War II, there were still teams that won the World Series. The Cardinals won the World Series in 1942, the Yankees in 43, the Cardinals in 44, and then, of course, in 45, it was the Detroit Tigers. None of those championships have an asterisk by them, but they were won in spite of their players that were away serving the country in World War II, but also were won because some of perhaps the better structured clubs and the more talented ball clubs had more players that were away serving in World War II. So how does this impact now? You're thinking of the coronavirus? Sometimes it's going to be the right place at the right time. You know, a great team. You think of the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's say, you know, God forbid, Patrick Mahomes, Tariq Hill. You know, you think of Travis Kelsey, all those guys. As the playoffs are about to start, all of a sudden, they got a home playoff game, but they're without all those players. Andy Reid's not there to coach. That certainly puts the Kansas City Chiefs at a little bit of a disadvantage. The same you could say to any team in the National Football League. And I'm more worried about how it's going to apply to the NBA. Because the NBA, you talk about a sport that is just a player or two away to deviate the level of talent from the best to the worst. 
you know, LeBron James not playing for the Lakers. I know the Lakers got their own problems, you know, even with James. Listen, that's a different team. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis Akonatumpo are a completely different basketball team. You see how the Nets are without Kevin Durant and without James Harden. And you wonder how a player or two being out with the coronavirus as we're going through the winter months could de potentially determine who the championship of the National Basketball Association is. Last thing we wanted to get into today. You think about coaches as they exist in the world of sports. I always said the coach is the ultimate scapegoat. Something doesn't go right, you blame the coach. You sneeze as a fan, it's the coach's fault. Players underperform, it's because they should be coached better. Players don't have the talent to play in a professional sports league. Some reason it's on the coach. And I thought about this statement, and it, it, was, it rings so true to me. And you think of the legendary Bill Parcells when he said, you are what your record says you are. And I, I like that. I think it was. I think it, it applies to the majority of sports. If you're a two and eleven Jacksonville Jaguars squad, you have to own that. If you're Urban Meyer, doesn't mean Urban Meyer is an awful coach. He could have the worst players. He could have the worst coaches on his coaching staff. But he's still the head football coach of a two and eleven Jacksonville Jaguar team, and that goes on his permanent record. Urban Meyer's record as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars is exactly what his record says it is, 2-11. So how does that apply to, let's say, the football giants? Joe Judge in his second season. Many fans, many analysts, listen, ready to bail on a coach after two seasons. And the question's going to be, and this is up to the Giants to decide, whether this is the right man to lead the organization going forward. Could this coach potentially lead the Giants to the playoffs and a Super Bowl championship if he's given the most talented players? Is it about the fact that the Giants are what seven and twenty, seven and twenty-one over the last two seasons that he's been the head football coach, or ten, ten and twenty-one? He is what his record says he is. Now, my point has always been. If you change your coach every two seasons, you're guaranteeing you another two losing seasons. At some point, you got to have enough faith in the person that you have as the face of your organization to believe that that person should stay there long term. At some point, the Giants did that when Bill Parcells was there. The before mentioned Parcells was their head coach. At some point in the past, the Giants did that when Tom Coughlin was their head coach. They believed in him. They said, this is the guy we believe going forward is going to lead ourselves and the team to the promised land. And what did both of those coaches do? They won two Super Bowls. Is Joe Judge going to win two Super Bowls as the head coach of the football Giants? I don't know. But at some point, the Giants got to decide who they believe in. Sometimes the coach and the talent don't necessarily meet. Anybody that's expecting Joe Judge to get the Giants to perform out of their minds, this is an untalented, bad football team. Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm are quarterback in this team right now. They don't even have Daniel Jones out there. 
So you can't even evaluate Daniel Jones and say whether he should be the quarterback for the future. I, odds are he's going to get another chance because he's hurt right now. I can't, ex, I can't judge, no pun intended, I can't judge Joe Judge as a head football coach with Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon under center with no other talent around them. And I'm not saying Joe Judge is a good coach. I'm not saying this is a coach that's going to be around in the National Football League for years upon years. And if the Giants decide to move in a different direction, they should hire a new general manager. And if they do, he wants to hire his own coach, he should hire whoever he wants. But whoever that coach is, you got to put your foot in the sand and say, this is the guy we're going to believe in to lead this franchise going forward. In two years, when the fans are clamoring for this coach to be fired... I'm standing up and saying that this coach is still going to be our coach even if the team is 0-16. and 16. So I'm excited about introducing a new segment to the show. We're going to go into this day in sports history with my, my mentor, the legendary Howard Cosell. Thanks, John. In a year of 1956, Bill... Charmin, the guard for the legendary Boston Celtics, made free throws in 55 straight games on this day in sports history. In 1964, the Cleveland Browns defeated the Baltimore Colts to win the NFL championship. The last NFL championship to be won in the city of Cleveland before the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. And in 1974, Archie Griffin won the Heisman Trophy in the 40th presentation of the illustrious award. This is Howard Cosell. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate you having a couple minutes. This is going to be a new segment we're going to introduce to the show. Every time we're going to do a This Day in Sports History, picking up three things that happened on this day. And obviously today is December the 27th. So you had Bill Sharman, his consecutive games, making a free throw streak ended. The Browns, the last team in Cleveland to win a championship on a professional level until the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers and Archie Griffith on the 40th anniversary of the Heisman Trophy Award ends up winning it in 1974. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show. We're going to be back with you tomorrow to discuss anything going on in the world of sports. So I hope you enjoy yourself, enjoy the rest of your day, and God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. On the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm going to do what I need to do.